following is a joint production of Burgundy Blog and Sports Channel 8. Welcome back, friends, to episode three of season four of Burgundy Blogcast, Fiercely Rational Redskins Commentary. It's me, Brent. I've got a treat for you tonight. My longtime friend, very intelligent man, and suffering Redskins fan, Colin, is going to join me on the blogcast to discuss all current things Redskins as of February 27th. Colin, my man, Colin, what's up, buddy? Oh, you know, just hanging out. (laughs) Just hanging. Doing a a podcast, you know, doing a podcast. You're a podcast veteran, (laughs) aren't you, Colin? Well, I have listened to one before, I think. (laughs) All right. I'm very excited to pop your podcast cherry, Colin. All right. That's great. (laughs) Um. I'm, My kids were really excited. By the way, they thought that was really cool. I was doing a podcast. I, I'm I'm was I'm thrilled that your kids were able to help you get tech savvy enough to um uh, to get outfitted and fully geared for this. Um, I want to explain to everybody listening that I'm chatting right now with my buddy Colin, who is a um longtime friend, one of my favorite people, one of my good buddies from college and med school, and Colin and I have a lot of things in common, but our favorite thing to talk about that we share is our affinity for or maybe that's not the right word our uh uh what what is it colin we're just uh, we're, we're kind of stuck with the rhythm. a little obsession borderline obsession i agree um and so i'm thrilled to have my buddy colin as uh my my guest slash co-host tonight on burgundy blogcast and um let's see i guess colin i wanted to um i wanted to start by giving you the floor and just you know uh i didn't i didn't give you any homework on this so um off the cuff, tell me a little about your Redskins fandom. Why, Colin, do you have some credibility as a Redskins fan? Why might I care about your opinion, and why should my listeners? Well, Brent, I've been burdened with being a Redskins fan now for a long time, and uh, I guess I have two claims to fame. Uh, my biggest claim to fame initially was, well, we had season tickets growing up for a long time. But then in 91, when we won the Super Bowl, I went to all eight home games and both home playoff games. That year. <laughs> so I was, thir- I was 13. I went, got, got to go to 10 games, which was awesome. And the, they only lost one of them, which was really fun. They lost to the Cowboys. But um, And then when I was a, a senior in college, I worked for the Redskins for a year. So I was a game day intern in the press box. It was the 99 season when we went to the playoffs with uh, – Brad Johnson is our quarterback. Mm, what um, it was Dan Snyder's first Dan Snyder's first year as an owner, and we didn't know what Dan Snyder was at that point. He was a total unknown. The next year, he was signing Bruce Smith and Deion Sanders, and we were all excited, thinking how awesome it was going to be. And who knew at the time we were looking at eighteen <laughs> years of misery? <laughs> 
Indeed, we were. <laughs> Who knew? Well, we thought it was great, but it wasn't. Colin, um, your resume clearly of Redskins fandom just blows mine to smithereens, and I, that was effectively a mic drop right there. I, I mean, it's it's obvious that you know what you're talking about, so I hope we've established that to uh, everybody that's tuned in here. That's great. I'm thrilled to have you, buddy. Well, I appreciate you being here, Brent. So yes, this is fun. My, um, some of my followers on Twitter will no doubt recognize your name because I've I've referenced and cited you on Twitter very frequently, Colin. And, I've seen uh, that. I've seen that. I usually, <laughs> kind of exciting. <laughs> I usually have to tell Colin after the fact by text or phone that I've cited him because Colin doesn't have Twitter, everyone. <laughs> well, I don't. I'm pretty low tech. I'm pretty low tech. I no think, Twitter, no uh, Facebook. I think uh, when Colin wants to tune I, I in... I set this up for me tonight, so... When Colin wants to check out Burgundy Blog, he I think he actually has to navigate in his browser to the Burgundy Blog Twitter page and scroll through the this feed is true. chronologically. Um, I wanted to point out some uh, recent times and important times when uh, Colin has contributed to my Burgundy Blog content. One time recently, and I'd like you to uh, uh, put some, some color to the story for me, Colin, was when uh, you sent me a text about being, I think, at your son's school for some kind of a uh, band concert or function, and it was like around the Super Bowl, right? Everybody was wearing football jerseys? Yeah, so it was, uh, our school has a class play for every grade, it was my daughter's class play, and happened to be the Friday before the Super Bowl, and so it was Jersey Day, and so I live in Richmond, and there were probably, I'd say, maybe 75 kids there. And these are a bunch of just regular kids. It's a private school in Richmond. And all That's 75 Redskins kids country, Colin. Camp. Redskins country, Redskins right? Redskins country, training <laughs> camp and everything. Training so um, I'd say yeah. about half the kids there were wearing jerseys. And there were three Redskins jerseys. Unbelievable. So I, I saw lots of – so Russell Wilson is very popular in Richmond. So lots of Seahawks jerseys. There were lots of Eagles jerseys. You know, we had a couple of Steelers, one or two Dolphins, some random ones. But ah, there were so few Redskins jerseys. And, and it was really sad. And do you remember I mean, your just, commentary on that? You said, you said, what, 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 what did you, what did you, I remember well what you said to me about what that says. done. Yep. I mean, this is a direct uh, correlation between just how bad it's been for so long. I mean, the Redskins just aren't a cool team to cheer for. That's right. And Colin, it's kind of sad to say that, but they're not. Colin added that, uh, yeah, he said that this is what Dan and Bruce have, have done to us or for us. And I agree, man. It's sad. Richmond is, uh, it should be all burgundy and gold there. It's pretty disappointing, but not surprising um, at all to me, really. Um, I think any more, you know, kids growing up in the red zone and Madden age, I think tend to root more for players sometimes than teams anyway. And then when your local team really just sucks and on top of sucking on the field is uh, generally just embarrassing overall. Um, that's a recipe for, I think your fan base eroding and we're seeing it. And, uh, and, and that was a good example. Uh, one other time, Colin, uh, that you contributed to um, Burgundy blog on Twitter was in the immediate wake of the Scott McLuhan uh, firing, sure. and yeah. um, and you and I had had uh, hashed that out a little bit, and you know one of the questions at the time uh, between um, that, that that we shared and that many Redskins fans did was was basically just kind of befuddlement and bewilderment at, at how how the marriage could have 
fallen apart so badly and and in a way well it seemed to to us at the time um so so abruptly um or so quickly and um you know it was kind of happening you know McLuhan had been with the Redskins for two years and we were feeling like we were experiencing a period of turnaround I think I mean they did they made the playoffs um that first year which was kind of unexpected and you know they're sort of hovering around 500 which really felt for at least those first couple years to me like a big upgrade from what we had been um experiencing on average and so, and then McLuhan, who many of us had kind of anointed as the savior or the reason, uh, up and, and gets fired. And so there was a lot of just wondering, you know, how, how, how could this happen? Like, if, if he's contributing so positively, if the team is benefiting from his involvement, you know, what gives? And um, you sent me an email, Colin, which I'd like you to elaborate on, if you recall, um, with sure. some, some, some thoughts about, like, you know, you basically said, Brent, here's what that part about Bruce Allen saying nobody here likes you might have been about. And here's, you know, here's why there might have, you know, in, in your opinion, why there might have been some cracks that we weren't really aware of. Well, yeah. So the question was, why would Bruce Allen tell Scott McLuhan no one here likes you? I thought that was just kind of an odd thing. But as we all know, the Redskins don't really do things the right way. And so they hire this guy, McLuhan. And it sounds like they just did it to get the PR move of, hey, we actually brought in a GM, but they didn't allow him to bring any of his own people in. So didn't he want a few guys from Green Bay to come? Didn't he want the guy Alonzo Highsmith? That's exactly right, Alonzo Highsmith. He tried to get him, and I think they blocked it. And so basically the people who are working in the scouting department when he got there were the ones who who were working for him. And so basically when Scott McLuhan got there, all we said was we finally have someone good to run our scouting department, right? Well, like all the guys were there before kind of like, wait a second, you know, we know what we're doing. Like, what are we, I mean, we're not, you know, yeah, I mean, we do okay at our jobs, you know? And so um, I don't have all the drafts in front of me, but, you know, they, they had a reasonable draft the year before we got there. And then I think that the two drafts that McLuhan did, um, yeah, they really weren't that great. I mean, I love Brandon Scherf. I thought he was a good pick. I, I know Leonard Williams was the other guy, but I love Scherf. But um, and Kendall Fuller was a good pick. Obviously, you got us Alex Smith. <laughs> but um, <laughs> you know, but the whole the whole Sue Cravens Josh Oxen draft didn't turn out all that well. Right. And I just envisioned this scenario where, and I'm not, I've never been in a, in a draft war room, but you can envision a. A, a big room with a huge table and like 20 guys around the table and they're all arguing for their pick, you know, and you and I aren't privy to who's arguing for whom, but suppose you're a guy in there and you're arguing hard for, who was the guy, Chris Jones at Mississippi state that year. Yeah. Who yeah. Came out and I liked him. I Chiefs. wanted him. And, and so the Redskins clearly needed a defensive tackle that year, right? Mm-hmm. And so you're sitting there, you're arguing, Jones is my guy, Jones is my guy, Jones is my guy. And then McLuhan shoots you down and says, no, I'm drafting Doxson. Mm-hmm. And then Jones does well. Doxson's out for the whole year. <laughs> and then all you hear from the media is, oh, Scott McLuhan's this genius. Scott McLuhan's just genius. Where you're kind of like, well, dude, if you'd listened to me, we would have picked a lineman. He could have helped us. <laughs> and so I, of course, don't know all that for sure. But you can envision where that might create some animosity, where you're doing a good job. You think, you know, you were right. Your boss was wrong. Your boss gets all the credit and everyone thinks your boss is a genius and you're an idiot. And so you can, you can see where if that kind of dynamic was going on, that, that could fester some resentment. Um, and, you know, and I, I didn't want to get into all the whole alcohol stuff and all that, but you, you know, I mean, right. you can envision a scenario 
people would really start to be kind of frustrated that, that they were getting no good press slash credit for the job that they thought they were doing and this other guy was and so that's kind of where I could see some of that kind of coming in. Again, nothing to do with how it was structured or whether he was good or not, but just purely the question, why do people here not like you anymore kind of thing? And, and you could kind of see something like that happening. That, uh, that concept really resonated with me. And uh, I think that's wisdom. I'm, um, you know, and on top of that, he, you know, as, as the team is, like I said, kind of turning around a little bit or turning the corner or at least emerging into a period of, of blissful mediocrity, you've got all these national journo types um, basically, uh, you know, uh, accounting for it by saying, you know, Scott's here, Scott did it. And, um, and then a lot of those, uh, those uh, key contributors, you know, the Ryan Kerrigan's, you know, the, the Trent Williams and, um, you know, the, the, and actually, you know, Jay Gruden, Jay Gruden was, was part of the foundation sure. there of turning that around. So, you know, a lot of these, the important people that contributed to the Redskins pulling themselves up out of the doldrums predated McLuhan. And so you've got everybody on NFL.com and ESPN and everywhere else saying like, look, you know, look what he's done in such a short time frame. So the idea that some resentment could have built uh, within Redskins Park against him, um, just it started to make more sense to me as uh, as we talked about that. So I was, <laughs> I was grateful for your contribution to well, my that, understanding there. The other thing, too, where I actually realized this is that, you know, we all thought last year the Redskins had a good draft. And every article you read about the draft started with saying, well, they must have been using Scott McLuhan's plans because right. oh, look how yeah. good their draft was. And so if you're the guy running the draft, you want to be like, you know, forget you guys. We picked the players, you know, you know, like, but everything said they must have been using Scott McLuhan's notes, you know. And so I, you, you could see where that they would kind of be kind of mad about that. Absolutely. But. And you just you sound so intelligent about this, Colin. And as and I'm sitting here watching you speak in your RG3 jersey in our Skype video <laughs> chat, and it's you know it's throwing me off. There's, there's a little bit of a dissonance there, um, but nonetheless, I'm I'm grateful for those. And and let's all please uh, join in in encouraging Colin to finally get on Twitter because. I mean, at Colin would just be so retweetable for me, and uh, you know, I ho- hopefully, hopefully we can. This will be the the uh, the beginning of a beautiful podcast relationship, Colin. But I hope we'll see you on Twitter soon. I'm trying to come up with an RG threeism for you, but I just can't. I just can't think of one <laughs> yeah, right now. Something I'm sure about diamonds or something like that. I forget what he used to say. Something about di- unbelievably believable or something. Something like that. about <laughs> socks, probably. Um, good, 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 good. Well, I think we've thoroughly introduced you, Colin, and, um, I want to obviously chat a little bit about what, what's going on with the Redskins and get some of your thoughts. Um, because let's face it, everyone that listens to this podcast is sick of mine. Um, what, you know, I think some of the key topics are, uh, Kirk, Alex, obviously free agency as it approaches. What's, what's on your mind these days? What's a hot burning topic that we should delve into, buddy? Well, I was thinking about this. I think I can honestly say that I'm actually kind of excited about the upcoming Redskins season more so than I have been in the past couple of years. And I think it's because like everyone else, I have very much, I've just grown tired of the Kirk Cousins saga. Yep. Um, and, and I gotta be honest, I like Alex Smith. Oh yeah. Um, you know, we'll talk about how he's a game manager, how the Niners preferred Kaepernick, how the Chiefs now prefer Mahomes and all this kind of stuff. But Bill Parcells says you are what your record is. 
And the guy wins a lot of football games. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't argue with his one loss record. Nope. And I think you look at the quotes from the from like Travis Kelsey and even like Marcus Peters has some quotes on ESPN.com today. Like, guys like playing with him. And I think he is a very competent quarterback. Mm-hmm. And I think that we're going to be – I think we're going to have a good quarterback for the next at least two years. And you know Gruden's excited about that. Yep. You know Jay Gruden got tired of this whole Kirk Cousins melodrama because he had nothing to do with it really other than giving Cousins his chance. Yep. But, you know, so I'm actually kind of excited. I think Alex Smith's going to do well. Um, you know, and I just, yeah, I'm no scout, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. I do play fantasy football, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you and I have uh, had some uh, good fantasy battles in our day, Colin. Yeah. Um, so I'm no scout, but, but I think Alex Smith is a good player and, you know, the NFL, you know, you can't think long-term these days anymore. The NFL, I think the NFL is a year to year proposition. Um, and so, yeah, in five years, he may not be our quarterback, but you know, who, I mean, honestly, like, who knows who's, you know, what's going to happen in five years. So, yep. um, you know, the Eagles have proven that you all need is one good year, you know? And so, so yeah, I'm excited. I'm actually excited to see how they do. I, I'm excited to be past all this drama with cousins. Um, that, we're, not, we're not past it yet. I guess they can still franchise. We are not past um, it yet, my man. Uh, but you know, you just hope, I don't know. I, I agree. You know, this. I agree with what you've said. I, I just, just yeah, speaking of cousins, if they tag him, it's just going to be for spite. <laughs> and and I just feel like you just got you. You wish your organization wouldn't run based on like spite and ego and revenge. And this is what it feels like with these guys and cousins. And I just, I just want to be done with that. You know, like and it'd be one thing if he was like, you know, I think cousins is a good player. He probably isn't worth all this melodrama, though, you know? I mean, it isn't like – so I realize this is a Redskins podcast, so I don't want to veer this off too far in the opposite direction. Go ahead and veer, But Colin. as you know – say what? Go ahead and veer it. So, so as you know, I've become a, a huge Nationals fan now, too, right? I do know. So so you don't follow the Nats as much, but the there's this kind of you know comparison between the Harper – looming free agency and the cousins looming free agency right okay enlighten me and it's well it's just well this is harper's last year for the nets so he's a free agent after this year right and so it is just so striking the nets and the redskins the redskins piss off cousins they have no plan though i did give them credit for getting smith they also had to give up a draft pick one of their better players and they feel like they kind of cobbled together at the last minute it's become this huge mess where they blew up their salary cap, gave them all this money, and just got them nowhere. Contrast to the Nationals, who Harper and the Nats owners have this great relationship. If he leaves, and he might, the Nats have like three or four or five outfields ready to plug into his spots. Mm. And if he leaves, it's going to be more of a baseball decision. Is one player worth three other players? You know, And so... There's no, like, animosity. There's no, like, hard feelings. And whereas I was watching Cousins this past year, thinking to myself, man, just I'm just tired of you being there, you know? I just want to get past your time. All Nats fans are going to be watching Harper this year, like, enjoying him, you know? Like, <laughs> I want to watch Harper. I may not be able to see him again. You know, they're excited to watch him. They're not, like, looking to get rid of him, you know? And so I kind of feel like now the Redskins have got this thing. We have a competent quarterback. And now we maybe start to be a normal football team if that could ever happen. But 
Well, um, that is yeah, that, that is fascinating. I'm it's it's almost it's almost like, um, you know, it, when you're running a professional sports organization, that every um, little bump in the road and every every little um, piece of adversity doesn't need to cause huge problems. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I that's what Over I'm that's what I'm hearing from you, and it's it's you know it's exploding <laughs> my mind right now. I, I, Colin, I agree um, with most of what you said. I thought that your um, soliloquy about um, enthusiasm for the upcoming season uh, is merited, and I agree. I think putting the, the Cousins nonsense behind us once we finally achieve that um, will really rejuvenate, um, You know, assuming that it goes with at least a little bit of winning, will really revive the fan base and our interests and sort of freshen up our... Uh, appreciation just for the sport and, and, and maybe a little bit to a lesser, you know, n- not, not as much for the drama. Um, even though it does provide bloggers like me with reasons to record our voices. Um, I, I, you know, um, when, when the news broke about the Alex Smith trade, um, I kind of, I feel like I quickly found myself sort of representing this this pro Alex Smith side, maybe to a little bit greater degree than um, was really genuinely reflective of my opinion. But it, I think it was sort of in response to or as compensation for what I perceived to be this very negative um, view of him and, and this, this kind of like just unfairly... Um, adverse reputation among Redskins fans and and national you know uh, fan, fans of football in general. I think he is a good player, just like you said. Uh, I think it's clear he's not some world beater. He's not destined for the Hall. I think um, you know I, it's. I, I'm certainly not preparing to see him in the Super Bowl um, in 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 Redskins colors. But I don't think he's going to be the reason that they don't accomplish that. Um, I think he. Yeah, I, I mean, I think he's good enough to drive them there if if they can outfit him with um, some teammates and a stable, functional situation, including coaching and scouting and um, in the front office. As for you know the impending conclusion to the Kirk Cousins era, um, I mostly agree with what you said. I mean, I, I do think it was time, and I've been a Cousins supporter for a while. I think that uh, I consider myself kind of an early Cousins adopter. Um, over the course of his his first season as a starter, um, but there's no question it wore us down. It it started to become bigger than the team and the game and each season, and we did need to move on from it. And it is sort of a relief. As for the the prospect, slim as it may be, of of potentially tagging him and try to work something out there, um, maybe that's the part where you and I don't see completely eye to eye. I, I can I can see a scenario where they they. Um, they do it for a different reason. I, I don't think that it necessarily has to be uh, just feelings and sentiment involved here and just egos alone. If it were me, and I've, I've tried to explain this, this stance on, on Twitter uh, numerous times to uh, most people's um, nauseated boredom, but uh, I, I just think he's, he's too much of a commodity and, and an asset to not try your absolute damnedest to get what you can. And I, I, I'm not, I'm still, I haven't convinced myself that it's feasible or likely that they're going to do it. I guess they've got about a week left here in the tag window to try and exercise it. Um, you know, I get that it's, it's complicated and potentially risky. Although, of course, I, I maintain that if they were to do it, it would have to be with some foreknowledge, some, some agreement that there would be cooperation. So I think that if they were to eventually do it, it would be 
um, on the grounds that they knew essentially what was going to happen. But, um, you know, I don't think that, it, you, you know, you're just necessarily doing it just to stick it to this poor guy to try and recoup something because, you know, the Redskins have, they were not able to bang out a long-term contract with him. And trust me, trust me, buddy, I blame them heavily for for uh, oh, sure. contaminating the the relationship between team and player there and for not realizing much sooner than they did exactly how good he would become i've blamed them all the way and they and, and i acknowledge that they botched it but they they also did uh help him to some extent become what he is and jay gruden as you mentioned is uh i think largely responsible for his uh, you know the the way in which he's regarded across the league now i mean the guy's about to become uh, the highest paid or one of the highest paid players ever. And um, that is in spite of universally acknowledged limitations. So, you know, the Redskins gave him that platform. And I, I don't think that, you know, he owes them anything necessarily. I mean, I'm not sure that's the right term. But if, you know, if there is enough demand for this guy, and if it's feasible from a money standpoint, which is a separate issue, but if, if um, Eric Schaefer and Bruce Allen look at the, at the math, and, and by the way, I just think the average fan tries way too hard to be a capologist and, and, has, and overestimates his own understanding of what they can and cannot do by um, altering some other players' contracts, maybe making a couple other roster moves here and there. I, I think that if it's possible, they'll know. And it may not be, but I, I'm not sure that it isn't. So if it is, and if they decide that there is enough demand for him, that they could do this, and that there is enough leverage there to, to pry anything better than a than a very late conditional third-round pick out of this guy, I say go for it. I don't think it's as embarrassing to the team as a lot of people are making it out to be. Um, I, I think that's just perspective. I mean, some people will just say same old Redskins. But um, I think it's, you know, I think it's something that they, I know that they are considering it. And if, if they do it, I'll be, uh, I'll grab some popcorn and wait and see what happens. I don't think it has to be conflict and animosity that, that, um, that drives it. Um, and, but I guess we'll see, you know, I guess, am I right here that we've got uh, about a week left for them to decide to use it or not? Yeah, no, I actually, I think you're right. I mean, you know, I mean, certainly if they can get something for him, I, I just don't know. So under what scenario would Cousins want to sign that tag and uh, leverage do they have? And I, I guess I could see a scenario in which, you know, they could say, hey, look, you want to go to the Vikings? So you sign the tag and we'll trade you to the, you know, we'll try to get you to the Vikings. Like the one thing that they could do if, if the trade is they could direct him what team he would go to. Right. I guess. I mean. I, I don't really. I'm just trying to say that if they tagged him, like, like, why would he sign it? Right. I um, think you know. I think my thinking, and I get that. I mean, obviously, unfettered free agency is preferable to him. But I think if they can, um, I don't think they necessarily have to convince him that it's a palatable option for them to uh, to prove the credibility of the threat of tagging him and potentially keeping him oh, on I, the tag. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean. I mean, there's all these articles now saying that the Dolphins tag Landry just to trade him. Bingo. Yeah. And so, so why, so why can't we tag Cousins to trade him? Yeah. No. I. I mean, but, I, I don't think there's a reason that they can't. I think the whole grievance thing is idiotic. But, you know, um, if if they. But let me ask you this question. This is something I wanted to ask you. Okay. So, so you know, everyone, you know, everyone's saying that um, the Redskins should assign Cousins to a deal. What was it like the 2016 season when you first came came on the right. came on the scene? Is that when? And so he was looking at like a three or a four year deal at that point. It sounds like, like he would have said yes to about nineteen a year, we think, after after that first season of starting. So so suppose he signs a suppose that year he signed a three year deal. 
for 19 million after that year. So he did what he did what we wanted them to do. Mm-hmm. So, so this would be coming up into year three of that deal. Uh-huh. What would the narrative be? Would we be excited about this deal we signed Cousins to? Would we be like, yeah, we're we're all set at quarterback because we have Kirk Cousins as our quarterback? Like, had they signed that deal, you know, had they had they had him for three or even even like two more years? Suppose we had him for had him for two more years. Are we, are we like, man, we are set at quarterback. We're going to the Super Bowl, <laughs> or, or or we'd be kind of like. Man, we just got flaccoed, or you know, or what would we, what would we be thinking about this deal for Kirk Cousins? You know, would we be excited about that under that deal? It, it would be cheap. It, it would look pretty affordable. But are we really that excited for the past two years to say this is our guy forever? Yeah, I'm that, not sure. That's a fascinating and, perspective, Colin, and I agree. I'm, I mean, I agree that it's not clear exactly how we would feel. We wouldn't necessarily just be celebrating in the way that. Maybe um, some of us have have made out to be the case. Uh, I think a big part of it, though, is that if they had gone for it, then there would have been um, a lot more organization-wide and and fan-base-wide buy-in, probably, and support. I, I think it's less likely that he would have... Uh, alienated, you know, basically half of us uh, by now. Sure. But, but I don't know. Sure. That's that's clearly speculation. And you're right. It would not have been a panacea. I mean, the, the deal would be more than half halfway over now, or even approaching its end. And um, and you're right. We'd be pretty close to in the same position. So um, fair question. Yeah, with no playoff wins, and with you know the loss to the Giants, not getting you know two straight seasons, you know losing to the Giants the last week of the season, you know, with the sour taste amount. Um, you, know, you know, ended the season, and so you know, if we had him for one or two more years, so so personally, I'd rather have Alex Smith. I know that was the big debate: Alex Smith versus Cousins. If you gave me a choice, one or the other, I'm no scout. I'm not a stats guy. You know, I'm just going back to Bill Parcells. Alex Smith has won a ton of football games. Yep, I'm with and, you on that. And and I also and so, so I'll. I also agree with um, something you briefly touched on, which is the the the. Um, and again, we're trying to sort of predict what's in other people's heads here, which is probably irresponsible, but hey, that's why we're doing this. Um, I think that the Redskins coaching staff and Jay Gruden in particular, I personally believe that he played a huge role in, um, in, 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 in this decision to move forward with Alex Smith. And I just have this sneaky suspicion that he is pumped. I think that he believes the oh, Redskins have upgraded. I think he's very excited for the extra experience that Smith brings, for what he can do with his legs. I think he's going to have I think it's going to take about 2 days for him to develop a trust level in Alex Smith that he never even um reached with Kirk Cousins. Um and I just think I just think Smith carries that credibility. He had this ridiculous pedigree being the number 1 overall pick. He struggled but overcame in many ways in San Francisco. Then he was recruited to be Andy Reid's, you know, top choice and top lieutenant in Kansas City for a very successful tenure, even though they bumped up against a glass ceiling in the playoffs. Um, he's kind of been through it all and seen it all, and he's run every type of offense at this point, whether it be in college or in the pros. And I think Gruden is just looking at looking his chops here and feeling like this is really going to open up his whole playbook. I mean, six months ago. In late October, Alex Smith was probably the MVP of the NFL. Yep. And the Chiefs started off like eight and one or something like that. You know, they won at New England and they were rolling people. Now, yep. granted, you can say where they had Tyreek Hill and Kelsey and Kareem Hunt and all those guys, but but Smith, I, I mean, I think he's going to do well. I, I really do. He's just he's just a smooth operator, and and you know we've we've established firmly that um, he's not. 
he doesn't churn out the big plays and the and the jaw dropping highlight real sort sort of plays that an Aaron Rodgers does or a Russell Wilson does with greater frequency. But I you know I was looking last night and then sent one tweet just showing um, numbers backing up the fact that his his efficiency. I think the word is is truly efficiency. Last year in Kansas City, his completion percentage was so high, his touchdown to interception ratio was so high. He takes such good care of the football, both in terms of throwing interceptions and fumbling it he's um uh, and, and and he also showed that that growth you know that ability to push the ball downfield he just was very versatile last year and and he i've heard him a couple times in interviews um over the last couple weeks uh refer to trying to basically just be a point guard which i guess puts him you know even in his own mind in that game manager um sort of category which has become uh, you know, kind of a disparagement, I think, but but shouldn't be. I think I think he and I would put him and Kirk in sort of the same category as game manager deluxe. Um, I think that they are game managers, but they they do it well. And when when you surround a guy like that with competent skill position players, it works. Like that's the point. That's the name of the game. It's not uh, a pejorative to call somebody like a game manager if they do it correctly and if their pre snap cognition is good. Um. They're making, you know, getting in and out of the right checks, audibles, etc. Alex Smith, like I said, he can do, you know, he can tuck it and run. They're going to call some design runs for him. There'll be boots, play, boot actions, all this. I think he just opens it up. And Gruden, who we know believes so deeply in his own skills as a play caller, and I think thinks <laughs> in his head that 90% of his, of his play calls should go to the house. I think he's just feeling like it's going to really start clicking e- even better now. Even and, and I say that knowing that Kirk Cousins threw for 4,000 yards three years in a row. Um, I think it's going to work better in the red zone. I just think we're going to see that he's more than, than a lot of people thought when he, you know, before he got here. Yeah, no, I, I think it's going to work out well. So the question now becomes, who do we surround him with? And Bingo. So, yep. Uh, and so who, who's out like, you know, who's out there like reasonable that we, that we can get like free agency wise at, at receiver primarily? I mean, so we're going to have uh, Crowder for sure. We're going to have Doxon for sure. They haven't signed Grant yet. Yeah, that's that's kind of that's kind of curious, isn't it? Yeah, I gotta think prior to going. Yeah, what's Grant? I thought that Jay Gruden was like his biggest fan. Yeah. Um, it's, is there someone else who wants Ryan Grant? I mean, he finally did something last year, I think, but yeah, I, uh, I, I've been I've been kind of musing lately that Ryan Grant may have um, bigger designs than just being fourth receiver here. Um, and and he, you know, to his credit, he stepped up last year. But I, I think I think yeah, I think you nailed it. I think receiver is a key thing, and they do need to to to, to do something there. You know, the um, Landry got tagged, and I guess might be traded, but I, you know, I hope it's not to the Redskins. I don't think that they should give up a pick and the insane money that he'll command. It sounds like Allen Robinson's going to get tagged. Some of these really big name guys are coming off, um, kind of come, you know, potentially not eligible as we expected. Uh, Sammy Watkins is is a big name up there at the top. I I think they're more likely to um, kind of play that typical Bruce Allen game and and wait a little bit, or maybe not wait. They might they might target a second or third tier receiver like a Kendall Wright or an Albert Wilson and say like, we know we want this guy. We believe we, we are in his wheelhouse for his asking price and, and, they, and go sign him on, you know, like day one or day two of free agency. And I, I think they kind of did that with, um, 
Andre Roberts. Remember when he came over from Arizona and the thinking was that he was right. a good player who had been buried on the depth chart and that he might have a chance now to break out. They signed him pretty right. early in free agency, even though it was to a you know a pretty light deal. Um, that's kind of what I'm expecting. And so, so how do you feel about Samaje Pirine? Is was, is he? Uh, do we think he was a draft bust last year? Is he good enough? I mean, I think he'll be on the team next year. But like, are we excited about him, or are we looking to upgrade there? Do you think? Yeah, I I like him. I think it's a you know I think the jury's clearly still out. But um, uh, I, the way I've I've phrased it to this point is is that I I think there's still hope for him. But I also think that he failed to convince us he's clearly all we need. And, um, right. you know, so my thinking is that it, there's absolutely room for a, a somewhat high profile uh, draft pick or possibly free agent to be added to this mix and significantly upgrade this roster of backs. I, I, I like Rob Kelly a lot. I like his story a lot. I like him, you know, from what I can tell in terms of his personality. Um, and I like that he's kind of a gritty runner and seems to know how to avoid negative runs. But he just he, he's not really doing it for me. I, I, I'm not I think that he's basically a try-hard guy who belongs on a roster. But the idea of him being, you know, starting the, the first few games in September uh, is not palatable to me. And I think that, uh, yeah, he, he could easily be upgraded. Um, and then, so Chris Thompson obviously was great last year. So hopefully he can come back healthy. Absolutely. Um, and so, so, so who, who do you have your eye on in the draft, Brent? I, I've got a, uh, I've got a dream draft scenario for you. I'm dying to hear um, that yours. Might sound- I, might sound kind of boring, but who is your dream draft scenario? You know, so th- there's a bunch of, of good-looking backs at the top. I mean, obviously, Barkley's going to go, you know, in the first few picks. Um, and then after him, I guess it's Darius Geis and some people like Ronald Jones at a USC. I'm, I'm a pretty big fan of Sony Michel, um, and I think if they could get him maybe in the second round, that would be a nice move. So so how about first round? So, so, so what are you thinking first round? So who, who are you hoping falls to us? At number thirteen, you tell me yours first. At show, show me yours. So, so here's my dream scenario. So this might sound kind of boring, and maybe because of what Gruden said before, we we wouldn't do this. But so I, I guess I'm kind of a I, I don't know. I guess I'm more of a meat and potatoes kind of a drafter. But my dream scenario. That's what I love about that, you, Colin. Um, <laughs> say what? I said that's what I love about you. Yeah. So my scenario is that the, that the four quarterbacks start going and, you know, maybe someone likes Calvin Ridley or maybe someone likes some of these running backs and, you know, some of these linebackers and corners go off. My dream scenario is that people think this guy's a guard and lets Quentin Nelson slide to us at 13. Mm, wow. Quentin Nelson is my dream scenario because I would love could you imagine having him and Scherf as our two guards um, <laughs> now I'm no I'm no scout so I can't I can't I can't look at film and tell you who's good or not but everyone's saying that he's like the best guard prospect in years yep and guards aren't that exciting they don't sell tickets and they don't uh, get people think you can draft guards late um, and so I have not seen any mocks that would get him falling to us but Come draft day, it wouldn't shock me if people got a little bit more excited about some other players and mm-hmm. thought, well, this guy's just a guard. And so that's my dream scenario. Somehow Quentin Nelson falls to us and that we can 
have Scherf and Quentin Nelson as our two guards for the next 10 years. Well, That's it would, my dream it would be bold having having drafted a guard so high just very recently. I, I mean, I tell you what, that would that would definitely be the underpinnings of a very badass offensive line. I don't think anybody would hate that. And, you know, from a team-building standpoint, you know, if you if you think you need a left guard, and I think they do if they're not going to resign they Leveo or, or Spencer Long, um, you know, are you going to go out and pay a, a ton of money to somebody else's guy, to a free agent right now, like this Andrew Norwell guy who's going to make, like, 13 million a year or something. I mean, you don't have that in the budget. You got to pay you're already paying Trent, you're paying Morgan Moses, you're going to have to pay Sheriff soon. Um, you know, to to stick in like a plug and play stud, um, you know, for for a cheap on a cheap rookie deal for the next 4 years/5 slash five years is uh yeah, yeah, I mean I I can see the draw to it. I mean, usually I, I would say that, man, like that's that's a little much to to draft two interior linemen within the span of a few years in in early in the first round. But you know, I mean, I could be talked into it because it sounds like he truly is not just a good guard, but like a generational type guard. I mean, I heard Mayock say, yeah, yes, yeah, so I'm no scout, but they say he's better than Zach Martin. Right. They say he's the best guard prospect in like for a long time, and so, um, so again, it's just. You can see a guy like that kind of slipping a little bit, not because of how good he is, just because of the position that he plays. And so, but I've not seen a mock draft where he goes, where he makes it past the top 10. Yep. Um, but anyway, so we'll see. But more realistically, we're probably looking at a defensive player, maybe like the guy from Washington mm-hmm. via, or maybe maybe Jonathan Allen weighs in and says, hey, draft my buddy Deron Payne from right. Alabama and put the two guys back together. Maybe get a linebacker, or the guy, a kid from Georgia, or a kid from Virginia Tech, and um, that too would be pretty exciting. I think. But do you know much about this guy Edmonds from Tech? I didn't really watch him much, but it sounds like uh, athletically he's a freak, huh? Well, so as you know, Brent, I cheer for Virginia, and um, I Wahoo can say, Wahoo, well, actually, Colin. you know, well, I, I usually say, hey, basketball, man, basketball. We're a basketball school, as you know, but. Um, <laughs> uh, I usually say drafting a UVA player, but we actually do have two pretty good players in Andrew Brown and Quinn Blanding, um, who both makes Quinn Blanding, sorry, yep. who um, might be like second round, third round picks. So they actually could be decent picks. But, I like um, Quinn Blanding a lot. Yeah, I don't watch like Jack. Say what? I like Quinn Blanding a lot. I agree with you about him. And also, Micah Kaiser is, is, a, is, a, is a good player too. Yep. So. Um, but no, I didn't really watch Virginia Tech very much. Um, I, I did hear that Edmonds basically dominated UVA in our game this year, but you know that happens to every time <laughs> plays Virginia. So I, I don't know. I can't really, you know, that's just a broken record in my mind that I've seen every year over and over and over again. So they all, it all looks the same to me. But um, but no, supposedly he's awesome. So. But that's the kind of player that I'd be excited about getting a, a high flying middle linebacker who's, you know, kind of all over the field. But yep, I want to go as we wrap this up, Colin. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kick it back towards free agency for just a second and and throw out one specific, maybe seemingly sort of random name here. But I'm interested to hear your thoughts about Junior Gallette. Is he is he an impact free agent? Is he somebody that we've gotten everything we can out of? Do you care much about whether they re-sign Junior Gallette? You know, I think it's a good story. Um, so in the sense that, so I don't know, I mean, his numbers were okay, right? Like he produced some last year. Yeah, he, he, um, play, he only he only played about 400 snaps, I think, and he may have only had, I don't know, a couple, three sacks. But, um, you know, all the, all the 
uh, advanced metrics suggest that he was generating a ton of pressure, you know, per rush, and that he wasn't quite getting home. Um, but I, I think he's a very interesting case. The more I think about him, I mean, I, I, I've, I've argued, in fact, even very recently that Trent Murphy, if he's back to full health, might be the better overall player because he's, he's younger and he's definitely better against the run. But we all know that uh, Junior Gallette was a pretty special pass rusher uh, at his peak. And he managed to stay healthy last year. And I'm, I'm wondering if he might really just actually be sort of on the cusp of, um, of, of once again being an elite pass rusher, which I, I think even if, even, even with Kerrigan and Preston Smith continuing to be starters, I wonder if, um, if this year, a, a, just a, a full year now removed from his second Achilles injury, um, or from, from technically recovering from that injury, if he might be on the verge of breaking out again. It's just, uh, something I've been thinking about lately. I think he's going to get a pretty healthy deal in free agency. Well, I think, um, so again, I'm no scout and, and I can't speak to the, the metrics and the stats, the, the thing that I would like to see him come back for, and it's, it's, it's more of a culture thing than anything else. Like I like the idea of having a guy who we gave a second chance to, who got injured again, who we stuck with another injury. And now he's playing for us. And you got to think that that guy, if we resign him is going to be all in on being rescued. You know I mean? I mean, we've treated this guy really well and like stuck through with all that he's been through. I just think those kind of guys just help your locker room and help your culture and help, you know, you know, rallying around the teams, so to speak. That sounds kind of corny, but you like that kind of like, you know, just kind of passion for your organization in your locker room, you know? Absolutely. And I think he could bring something like that. Yep. And so along those lines, we need guys like that. The Redskins need, need that culture in their locker room. And so – so I would love to see that. I mean, the Redskins have a reputation for not rewarding their own, you know. And so I'd love to see if we reward a guy who's worked hard back through two injuries. And shoot, if he's going to be good, I'd love it for him to be with us as opposed to us rehabbing the guy for two years and then he goes on somewhere else and becomes an all-pro again, you know. I mean, that would, that would be a classic Redskins tale right there, wouldn't it? Word. Um, Speaking of which, are they going to re-sign Zach Brown? Is that, has that happened yet? It's another big one. It certainly hasn't yet, and I, I do wonder what's going to happen here. I, I, I Part of me thinks that uh, he may be overestimating his own market a tad, and I wonder if as, as it gets really close to March 14th or even – you know, a day or two into March 14th, I think his price might drop a little bit, and I could see him getting, you know, the, them the Redskins being able to bring him back into the fold. Fans love him; he's fun to watch. Lightning fast, sideline to sideline. I mean, I, I hope they sign him, um, but uh, you know, I, I don't blame the guys at all for for trying to go out and get his big, uh, as big a deal as possible right now because he's not signed a huge contract in you know uh, in in his career yet. He had his rookie deal and then a couple of one year things, so. Uh, more power to him. He should oh. get whatever he can. Yeah. Get what you can get, man. Yeah. Well, Colin, uh, you've been dropping knowledge bombs on me all night, man. This was a this was a thrill. This was everything I hoped and dreamed for all these years it would be when you could make your debut appearance on the Burgundy Blogcast. Right. And um, I want to thank you for your time tonight and for enlightening me on uh, so many topics. Uh, and I know that uh, that all my listeners agree. So we're gonna wrap it up here. And uh, I don't I don't know I don't know what else there is to say. We got a week left to see if they're gonna try and do something fancy uh, with the franchise tag on Kirk Cousins. If not, it could be. Um, I guess after that, it would be March fourteenth, the, the the final moments of uh, of Kirk Cousins. 
uh, as a Redskin, and then we'll see where he ends up. I guess last thing, give me a, give me a prediction. Who is Kirk Cousins starting for week one, 2018? The Vikings. Yeah. Yeah, it's starting to feel more and more like that, isn't it? Like these last few days, at least. I think that would be a wise choice for him. I think they'd be pretty tough with him. I'm going to go with, with Denver. Denver's been my choice all along. I've been feeling for a couple months um, that, uh, that, that they were really zeroing in on him. And for the last, uh, starting about a month or so ago, uh, I started to really get some strong vibes that uh, his Shanny connection uh, is going to lead to a John Elway connection, and uh, I, I don't know. They'll have to do some play some do some magic with their money, I guess. But I think he's going to be a Bronco. You think he's going to be a Viking? I think either one of those two teams would be pretty good next year if that's that's how it works out. So, and uh, even though I've even though I've gotten a little bit sick of uh, of of the Kirk Cousins saga, and uh, even though quite frankly. His sort of aloofness has has maybe begun to rub me a little bit the wrong way the last few weeks. I will root for him in his new destination, um, and I think he's I think he's got a bright future. And um, I hope I hope he basically continues to prove the Redskins wrong. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, who knows? I, I do like Kirk, and I hope he does well. And um, you know, I'm sure you'll keep buying his sweaters online. Uh, and. Uh, Buy one, get one. Yeah. (laughs) So we'll see what happens. But, hey, let's talk again about before the draft comes up. We'll talk in April or something and see see how the draft is going to fall. All right. Sounds good. Thanks a lot, Colin. See you, buddy. All right, Brent. See you, man.